There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir. They have the car stopped at 10 Ranch Michael Biden. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon. I did 27 years with the NYPD, retired out of Manhattan North Homicide Squad. Folks, if you like this channel, YouTube, Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories, go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and ring that bell. And if you want to support us on our Patreon, we have three different levels. And if you see the people in the green font in the chat, those are our channel members. We appreciate each and every one of you guys, and we have five different levels to that. So this case, um, Casey White and Vicki White, uh, so many, so many questions to it. You know, uh, everyone always thinks, oh, the case is over now. She met uh, an untimely end by committing suicide. He, of course, is back in Alabama facing the music. Uh, you know, I always, uh, it sort of baffles me well. All these news reporters keep dwelling on the fact like he's facing new charges. You know something? He was fa he was already sentenced to 75 years. If you're 37, what does that make you? Do the math, okay? Make sure 112. So whatever other sentences he gets tagged onto this, it's just, it doesn't make that much of a difference. He's going to do the rest of his life in prison. So I know that a lot of people want to think that, oh, he's facing more charges and you know, we, we spoke yesterday in depth. Uh, uh, some of you folks, I don't know if you went uh, last night, myself and Phil Grimaldi in an unexpected show at 10.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We decided to go live, and I thought it was a great show. We followed up. Actually, Duty Run was on for almost two hours, and he had the great uh, Barbara Butcher, the uh, former chief of staff of the New York City Office of the Chief Medical Examiner, and she spoke about um, the autopsy of Vicki White. Many people didn't want to believe that Vicki had in fact committed suicide. Uh, they wanted to believe that Casey White had shot her during the, uh, the chase and the subsequent apprehension. But I think science, uh, science sort of proved that, um, that she did in fact commit suicide. And I'll go into a little more of that later on, but you know, what everyone also is questioning now is the, um, how did this happen? You know, what was the psychological profile of Vicki White that for two years she pursued this incarcerated inmate who also pursued her? There was a lot of psychological damage to Vicki White. Um, she obviously lost her husband, I believe, in uh, 2017. Uh, she wasn't of a stable mind, I think, that thinking clearly what she was doing. However, on the other side of the coin, she was voted Correction Officer of the Year four times. In fact, she was voted Correction Officer of the Year again this year in that jail that she works in, where she was the second in charge. So it's it's just incredible. How do you live that double life? You know, how do you, uh, on one hand, help a career criminal escape from a jail 
But on the other hand, you're voted uh, correction officer of the year. I just think it's sort of tough to understand, you know, and some of the questions uh, maybe will never be answered uh, because without like a clinical psychologist being able to interview her, they can't come up with specific answers that per, per her. However, this situation is not a new situation. It's happened in other parts of the country. It happened in New York a couple of years ago. Uh, where two inmates escaped with the help of someone that worked in the prison. Dana Mora became a famous uh, TV series, and uh, they showed how it could actually happen. And um, so it, all of those questions, of course, Margaret Hearn. Thank you, Margaret. Hello, Sergeant Bill. Thanks for fantastic coverage you and Detective Phil have provided this week on this bizarre case. Grateful no innocent victims or law enforcement injured. Good luck with your upcoming surgery. Thank you so much. I don't have a date for it yet. I'm waiting to hear. In fact, I just called today. It'll be sometime in June, but um, I'm not looking forward to it, but it's inevitable. I have to have it done. Um, so, yeah, so all of these different questions. And, and um, uh, Janice Martin, in this case, coroner doesn't have medical background. Does that mean Vicky's body will now go somewhere to have a regular autopsy? I heard funeral in this weekend. Janice, the, the, it's true that um, the that area... Um, Evansville, Indiana, it's a coroner system. However, he has to bring in, and he did bring in, a pathologist who's an MD, who's a medical doctor to do the autopsy. The um, coroner does not conduct the autopsy. He assists in the investigation, but the medical part of it, the actual uh, internal examination of the body is done by a pathologist who's a medical doctor. So that's maybe a misnomer. I know Barbara Butcher had spoken a little bit, bit about that there needs to be a national system, that we can't have some places that have coroners and some places that have the medical examiner system. And it has a lot to do, of course, it always comes back to this, money, you know, uh, areas that don't have a lot of murders, areas that don't have a great deal of autopsies, they will have the coroner system. However, usually if you're not under a doctor's care and you die, uh, an autopsy is, is warranted, it's called for. So, uh, so Casey White, you know, all the, the, the TV stations are saying, oh, he's facing new charges back in Alabama. I mean, how many, I just explained, you know, he could be doing 175 years without any new charges. Let's listen a little bit uh, to News Nation and hear what they say about this. There's all different takes on this. So let, let's listen a little bit to, to this. We'll bring them into here. He is talking about um, he's back behind bars where he belongs tonight, um, almost two weeks after all of this happened. So he's going to be um, spending the foreseeable future at the Donaldson Correction Facility in Birmingham, Alabama. He was returned to Alabama last night after being captured in Indiana. Vicki White, um, the corrections officer who helped him escape, of course, died as a result of um self-inflicted gunshot wound. So Casey White is facing a new charge of escape in the first degree. The focus now turns to his trial for capital murder. It is set to happen a month from now. Uh, right after the arraignment last night, Lauderdale County District Attorney told us here at News Nation they may also pursue further charges against Casey White um, after they review more of the evidence. So we got to thinking, hmm. what is he going to be facing in this new facility, uh, Donaldson in Birmingham? So we want to bring in Larry Levine tonight. Um, he is with 
Wall Street prison consultants, the founder. Uh, Larry, good to see you. Thank you for joining us. So what do you know about this Donaldson um, facility, this prison well, in Birmingham? It's run by the Alabama Department of Corrections. It's a higher security facility and they're gonna throw him in the hole. The special housing unit, the shoe, call it what you want. It's not gonna have any contact with anybody. And you know what they say that they're gonna have to pipe sunlight into him because they're gonna lock him down. But on the other hand, they're not gonna keep him in there forever because the likelihood is this guy's never gonna get out ever again. And he's going to achieve like folk hero status among the inmates that he escaped. He had a, a cop help him escape and he was having sex with her. And the staff, I mean, they're going to be real cautious. I imagine in the Lauderdale County Jail, they've changed a lot of their security procedures. And he's dangerous. He, he wanted to hold court on the highway. He never figured that he would get out alive. So he really had nothing to lose. And I honestly think that he's going to point the finger at the lady. It's not like she can defend herself. No, he's right? going to say that it was her idea. She took me out. She did this. She had a car waiting and I'm a victim here too. See, he, this is a classic inmate ploy. Got into her head. He played her. Classic inmate manipulation. He told her what she wanted to hear. He told her how beautiful she was. She was lonely and he, he just wanted to get laid. He didn't give a shit about her. Oh, sorry about that. The relationship <laughs> was in her mind. And they left that hotel. I know the mindset of criminals. They left that hotel because they were getting on each other's nerves. Imagine this. Imagine being locked in a dumpy hotel with your ex. I'd rather and you not. can't go out and do anything. Oh, man. I mean, it's crazy. Larry, you they know. They're driving each other nuts. Let me get your thoughts on this because they described the area that Casey White will be confined to as one for the behaviorally difficult to manage inmate. What does that mean? I mean, that's the read shoe, between the, the lines. Special housing unit. So how, okay, will, the, how will the corrections unit. officers be treating him differently? So you think he'll be a, a celebrity among the inmate, but how will the oh, yeah. um, how will the corrections officers be handling this um, giant? They'll probably, well, they'll probably send two or three cops when they have to take him out of the cell. You know, he'll be belly chained. He'll be, he'll have the leg chains. He'll have the belly chain. He'll be doing the shuffle. They're going to be real careful with this guy, but this guy knows that he's never getting out. And essentially he has nothing to lose. And, you know, I was looking at all the reports that they're gonna charge him with this and charge him with that. The guy's doing 75 years already, right? For what, the home invasion, carjacking and a police chase in 2015? Well, and he faces the, the capital murder charge from the 2015 stabbing of okay, Tony Ridgeway. You're, you're right, you're right about that. But what difference is it going to make to run this scum through court and charge him and give him additional sentences? Well, I mean, look that's the system. I mean, it's, me it's a messy He's system, but out. it's the system, right? I mean, they still have to, he still has due process, right? He's still got to go through the system. Well, okay. <laughs> so let's stack charges on him that really mean nothing. We're going to give him another hundred years. 
We're going to run that concurrent. Mm. We're going to give him a big fine, but the guy doesn't have any money to pay his fine. Mm. This is It's very sad what happened, but this whole court process, at least in this guy's case, this is a hoax. It is. It is sad. Uh, Larry, we appreciate you coming on tonight. Thank you. An honest Always man. here. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have you back. Larry we'll have you back. the way it is, yeah, especially on cable at late night. Good to see you, Larry. You know, he kept referring to uh, correction officers as, as cops. They're not cops. They're correction officers. They watch prisoners. They are not police officers. So I don't know. This guy's a bit of a clown to me, to tell you the truth. What? What's his credentials that he did 10 years in prison himself? <laughs> it's just amazing all these talking heads. Where do they come from? That's all right. No, it, to Larry's point, it is sad because Vicki yeah. White, um, for better, for worse, died. Yeah. Um, and Connie Ridgway, who I mentioned in 2015, was stabbed to death in her own home. I interviewed her son, Austin, last week. He wanted Casey White caught. He will stand trial in her murder, which he confessed to and then has recanted his statement. So um, we'll be covering that because yeah, this, can... this is a guy with a really long, very dangerous, scary rap sheet. Yeah. And also imagine now the difference of how it's going to be to hold that trial because he was there just in regular county jail awaiting trial, things are going to be a little different from yep. uh, here on out. At Donaldson. All right, parents right now, thanks for... So, you know, even this uh, correction, uh, alleged correction expert was uh, saying, like, what do all these, these new charges actually mean? I mean, the guy was already doing 75 years, uh, sentenced to 75 years in prison. You know, one of the things was when they were pulled over the other day, this is what was inside the car. Look at this picture up on the screen. That was, uh, they had four handguns, um, four handguns, an AR-15, and a taser. So they were quite capable of uh, of shooting it out with the police, no doubt. But, you know, I, I've always noted, I've, I've been after uh, in my police career, I've gone after quite a few fugitives and they always talked a lot of shit until they they saw the guns pointed at their fat heads and then they decided to choose life, you know. You can talk to some emergency service cops in the NYPD who are the elite probably in this country and you know California they call them SWAT in New York City we call them emergency service and they'll tell you stories how they'll be going after a fugitive and they'll be outside the apartment door and the guy will be like, I'm not being taken alive. And the emergency service gun will take the shotgun and just go. And all of a sudden they'll hear, I'm coming right out. I'm coming out. Please don't shoot. All of a sudden they changed their mind when they heard the slide of that shotgun move forward and they decided to choose life. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I want to thank all you folks that uh, came on the show uh, to listen to us last night at 10 15 which was late but for california they were they were loving it because it was like what 10 15 in california 7 15 in california and it was great to have a lot of people yesterday from california in the chat and some some names that i i hadn't um i didn't recognize uh um but it was great to have it and you know we just decided to do the show at the last minute and i thought it was a, a really damn good show if i must say myself judy fisher flyer be i'm with you he was just behaving like the criminal he is she was the one who was smart, educated, and was an exemplary employee for the legal system. Why is she looked at as a frail woman? You know, Judy Fisher, it's just like um, there's an expression on the police department, and it goes like this. A thousand attaboys, meaning attaboy, good job, attaboy. 
thousand attaboys don't equal one ah shit, meaning, oh, I screwed up, ah shit. It's a funny term, a thousand attaboys don't equal one ah shit. And that's true in a lot of professions, but especially true in law enforcement. So you do a thousand good things, it's totally erased by that one bad thing you do. And look, she crossed over to the other side. She made a horrendous decision and decided to help a career criminal escape from from jail. And look at the danger that that put not only her in, the whole public in, having this this career criminal out on the street. Um, just not a good decision, you know, not a good decision. Um, uh, Karen Broderick, hey, Bill and chat, just joining from England. Great to have you aboard. I love the people from across the pond. I love when you guys, sometimes I even try when I do my coffee with Canon, I try to do my English accent, which is horrible. I'd be having coffee in my garden because you guys call it your older garden. I'll be sitting in, in my yard, which you refer to as my garden, drinking some tea in the police off the cuff mug, <laughs> dipped in butter on one side. <laughs> I have a worse English accent, so I shouldn't even try. But thank you guys, all you folks from across the pond. You're absolutely so welcome. Everyone wanted to hear the audio of the last moments of this chase, and I have it queued up. I'm going to uh, put it up on the screen with with Dan Abrams from News Nation. I always think he's a pretty damn uh, good reporter, too. Let's see if I can play this. The ACLU now officially supporting Donald Trump. Well, I don't want to Twitter. go to that. Let's, let's go past this. An inmate this. who were on the run for nearly two weeks before the dramatic conclusion. And we are now able to put all the pieces together with video and the just-released 911 call that captures the moment Vicki White fatally shot herself. Airbags are going all right, we will provide context for that in a moment. To put all this new material together, we're about to show you. First, let's take a step back. Casey White and Vicki White knew each other since at least 2020. Inmate White was first transferred to the Lauderdale County Jail for an arraignment before being moved to a separate prison. At the time of the escape, the 38-year-old murder suspect, who's 6'9", was serving a 75-year sentence for attempted murder and burglary, was also facing the possibility of the death penalty for capital murder. Vicki White sold her home on February 24th, just a day before inmate White returned to the jail she worked at. She was coming back for an upcoming court appearance. On April 28th, the night before the escape, Vicki was seen on surveillance footage at this Alabama hotel front desk. We also know in the days leading up to the escape, she went to a Kohl's department store, and purchased men's clothing, and also visited an adult store. Then came the morning of April 29th. Now you can see Vicki White escorting inmate White out of the Lauderdale County Detention Center. She claimed she was taking him to the courthouse for a mental health evaluation. No appointment was scheduled. The pair left the detention center alone in her patrol car, a violation of department policy that required Casey White be escorted by two sworn deputies. There was also this video, the pair driving in her patrol car just before they turned into a shopping center less than a half mile from the detention center. That's where her patrol car would later be found. And the pair were gone. Authorities rushed to find answers. The Lauderdale County Sheriff confirmed on this show that yes, the pair were romantically involved. We do know now that there was uh, a relationship uh, between 2020 and 2022. 
Then a clue in the case which would send investigators an hour south of Nashville in Franklin, Tennessee. This orange Ford Edge was dumped by the pair and found by law enforcement on May 6th. Evidence of green spray. You know, it's funny. No one could agree on what color that was. I called it red. I guess it's orange. But someone actually called. One of the news reporters said it was green. I was like, oh, my God. We got to agree on a color. I think it's closer to orange or red. Paint suggests they tried to camouflage the car before ditching it. Meanwhile, authorities released these images to the public looking to crack the case. Tattoos on inmate White's body, one of them a Confederate flag. Meanwhile, we now know the pair was in Evansville, Indiana, over 200 miles away from where this all began. They got there by stealing a 2006 Ford F-150. The truck would be left at an Evansville car wash. You know, folks, that's not accurate that they stole it. The car wasn't stolen. They bought that car. So he, I mean, look, even Dan Abrams makes mistakes because when the police officer from Evansville, Indiana, ran that plate, it didn't come back stolen. And I think they, uh, when they interviewed Casey White, he indicated that they bought that car. On May the 3rd, the manager of the car wash was able to flag authorities who say it was that tip, one of the close to 600 they received, that helped them crack the case. I noticed the car hanging out of the bay, which is unusual. It kept sitting there. This is on the 3rd on Tuesday. Every time I leave, the truck's still been there. I come back, still there. Next morning, I get up at 6 o'clock to take my granddaughter to school. It's still there. I take her to school at Bossy. Get back at 7.30. The truck's still there. I walk up to the truck, and I think, oh, my God, this is probably this guy from Alabama. Officers used surveillance video from the car wash to determine that they left in a Cadillac. An officer spotted the car outside a Motel 41. In Evansville, let's pause there for a moment because that's some you know, it was funny. Someone in the chat said the other day, We had thought that we jokingly said before we knew they would stay in a hotel that we said, Oh, they'll uh, stay in a Motel Six. Let's leave, leave the light on for you. You know, that's their little uh, uh, their advertising, that's what they say. And sure enough, it uh, this Motel 41 used to be a Motel Six, and someone in the chat said. Oh, what's the difference between a Motel 41 and a Motel 6? And they said $35 more a night for a Motel 41, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> Some real good police work. Investigators determined they paid a homeless man to check them into the motel so that they could fly under the radar. That is also funny. One of the network news stations acted as if they had this smoking gun information that there were other people that helped them uh, in renting them a room in this Motel 41, and it turned out to be a homeless guy. And everyone knew it except, I guess, this national station, which I won't identify them. But they acted as if they had this breaking, breaking news. Now, police surveilled the motel until the couple was spotted and a chase ensued. This is the just-released dash cam footage that shows the moment police were able to capture Casey White. The fugitive surrenders before officers put him down on the hood of the police car. Members of the U.S. task force basically rammed the vehicle and pushed it into a ditch. And we later found out, had they not done that, the fugitive was going to engage in a shootout with law enforcement. That action may have saved many of my deputies and fellow law enforcement officers' lives. 
Now, inside the getaway car, they found four loaded handguns, an AR-15-style rifle, ammunition, in addition to camping gear and 29000 bucks in cash. And then that just released 911 call leading up to the moment that Vicki White shot herself. Arizona Island. Oh, my God. 
Evansville, Indiana, Sheriff Dave Wedding. Sheriff, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the program. Really appreciate it. If you could provide a little context for us on that 911 call. I mean, did she call 911? How is that recording made? Yeah, she must have had a cell phone in her vehicle, and during the pursuit, she called 911. Why she called them, I have no idea, but, but she did. Yeah, I mean, that, obviously, that would be a big question, right, as to why is she calling 911 for assistance uh, from police in some way, shape, or form, which, again, led some people to question, did she feel she was in danger? Um, but you feel pretty confident, based on the coroner's report, that this was a self-inflicted wound? I do. Uh, there were multiple weapons inside the vehicle. She had a weapon still in her hand when the officers approached the vehicle, and that was probably the weapon she used to inflict her life-ending uh, gunshot wound. Anything more you can tell us about what Casey White said upon being caught? You know, he, he rambled on for hours with not only our investigators, but the uh, FBI investigators. What we know is that he said that they were tired uh, when they traveled. Uh, I guess being on the run, they thought they would settle in here for a while, kind of regroup, figure out where they should head. Uh, once they got into the hotel, they ordered like pizza and things that could be delivered to the hotel room. And they really just settled in and didn't go out much. Now, it was uh, the team of officials out there who were conducting surveillance um, on that motel who were able to really, to finally crack this. Um, where were they walking in? Were they walking out when they first spotted them and that led to the chase? Well, once again, we had a, a large group of officers at the Vander County Sheriff's Office doing work, going through tapes and videos uh, to try to get leads. Uh, when they went to the hotel, they just set up at various uh, spots, keep an eye on the hotel, and then they observed both subjects go to their vehicle, get into it, and drive off. And that's when the pursuit began. So they were coming out of, the, out of their hotel room, correct? That's correct. Um, and, you know, look, I, I think this is not something that's been talked about enough, is that there was some real good police work here. I mean, the fact that you guys were conducting surveillance on the motel, that you were able to identify, it wasn't a tip. It was one of either your deputies or someone else in law enforcement who first identified the vehicle, correct? That's correct. It was a member of the Evansville Police Department uh, doing his due diligence uh, checking hotel parking lots that recognized the vehicle that appeared to be the suspect vehicle, contacted our agency, and that's when we went to investigate. Yeah, this is one of these things, Sheriff Wedding, where I feel like sometimes law enforcement doesn't get the credit uh, that is deserved here. Uh, this was uh, some excellent work on the part of all of the law enforcement officials out there in Indiana who were involved. Of course, the tip from the uh, citizen at the car wash was incredibly important as well, but just such a big relief as we take through, we went through this whole um, account of exactly how this happened. It's just a reminder of how important it was uh, that they were caught. Sheriff, thanks very much for taking the time to come on the program. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for watching. Click.
So, folks, a lot of good information there. And uh, one of the big things that wasn't clear early on was who was driving. And um, I believe Sheriff, uh, this sheriff, uh, had gotten it wrong initially. He had said that um, the vehicle was being driven by Vicky, and in fact was being driven by Casey. And, and that was determined because when they walked out of the hotel, Casey got into the driver's seat. So that was important because especially uh, when she was talking to the 911 caller, um, it was clear that she wasn't driving, that he was driving. She was telling him to slow down, that they were going to get killed by the, um, by the airbags if they had the accident. So all of these things were very important. They mentioned the, um, the car wash, James, uh, the manager of the car wash, and he gave incredibly important information. Uh, he's the one that first spotted the Ford F-150, and he, he actually called the police to the scene to tell them about that Ford F-150, and that was the car. Well, here's the first car that they had. And of course, that was dumped. And then they had the, the Ford F-150, which was left inside um, the car wash here. Uh, these, This is one of those car washes that has bays where people can go inside the bay and wash their own car. And some folks had asked, you know, what, why was he going inside the bay? And when you think of it, you almost have... I think you can close one end of the the, uh, the bay, the one one of the doors, and you almost have anonymity inside there. And so when um, Vicky came to pick him up, she could pick him up without very few people seeing him. And you got to remember, this guy's six foot nine inches tall, so that was a concern. So the least amount of exposure out on the street, and that's one of the reasons I believe that they were. Um, uh, they were picking him up at that location. Um, let me play a little bit of this is the the entire dash cam. And this is unusual for the police to come out with this so quickly after the incident. The dash cam video was, uh, which is, is actually pretty fascinating, was out there the next day. And we got to hear and, and see what the police officers were dealing with in regards to this short pursuit. They already have him uh, on the ground. Uh, they already have Casey on the ground, so they must have pulled him out of the car already.
You can see what a huge guy he is as compared to um, showing the, the picture of them throwing him over the hood of a police car. And you can see how huge he is as compared to those other two officers who are not small guys either, but he, this guy's a giant. Six foot nine, I would say he's more like 300 pounds or more. So a, a, a threat. Okay, yeah. here we go. Take right. Oh, he's right here. Hey, we need we need to clear some of this shit out of the way so we get okay. So we're looking at the Cadillac on its side because a, uh, the federal marshals used what's called a pit maneuver. They T-boned the car and they pushed it they over into a, a ravine. Do you think? No, she's still got okay. it in her hand. Got the gun in her hand? All right, watch it. I, I would think that that's, you know, all types of police tactics would tell you if someone still has a gun inside their hand, uh, you may want to move most people back. I don't know if at that point she was still breathing, but the fact that they could see her up close uh, with that gun still in her hand, everyone was still in danger. Let's pop, let's go ahead and pop, let's go ahead and pop this front windshield She's here. She's got the gun in her hand. She's still breathing. Okay. Oh, oh, yes. Still breathing. She's still breathing and has the gun in her hand. Need any iPad? This is fascinating that you could see exactly what the police officers were doing in trying to remove her from the car, the car that was flipped over in the side of a ravine. That's the 2006 Cadillac. It's a sedan. And one of those Ram pickups with a huge grill on it, T-boned it and flipped the car over on its side. What's your, what's your, what's your, you know, you're good, you're good. They're trying to ask for a bear Okay. Hey, Kurt, you got a Halligan? Yeah. Bring that Halligan. Guys, a Halligan is, is a, a tool that's more, most often used by firemen to force open doors. It has a, a sharp edge to it and like a handle that they can force open car doors with. And it's, as I said, it's 
most mostly used by firemen and also emergency service cops. Yeah, I believe so. Okay. I got glasses. What do you expect? Okay. Uh, they're going to force the door uh, open so they can pull her out. Okay. They may have already pulled the windshield yeah. off. It may pull her out through the front okay. windshield. Or if we can break this cylinder uh, here, we can probably get in there. Yeah. Hey, uh, we've got the housing right here. We're going to try to break this cylinder up here, too. They still don't have the gun out of no. a hand at this point. Keep it open. Good idea. We got, we got cover? Yeah. It's opening. It's opening. Just be careful, dude. Yeah. You got me? I'm gonna go for the gun first. Okay, I'm gonna go for the gun. You can see he's reaching in to grab the gun right, out of a hand. Grab the gun. I'm gonna grab it. Let me a little bit. All right, put me up. All right, I got it. I got it. He's indicating right. he has the gun at that Seems point. safe. Hear me pull it out. Yeah. Somebody yeah. pull me. Now, yeah. don't pull her out from the car. Hey, go get cleaned up. Go uh, here, hold on. Oh, well, can somebody kind of hook me up real fast? He needs to get cleaned up, baby. You know, a lot of folks were... um. Uh, disturbed a little bit by that. Oh, how was she so ungingerly removed from that car? Um, you got to realize that uh, she had a firearm in her hand and she was still breathing. The other thing was, is that some may say, oh, by doing what they did, they destroyed the crime scene. But the number one thing in regards to um, homicide investigation or any of these kinds of investigation is the protection of life. And it's to first make sure that the person that you're coming either to their aid, you're trying to save their life first, and then secondly, you worry about uh, the crime scene and what, what has occurred there. And I think the police did a pretty damn good job there. There's been a lot of you know people, of course, everyone, everywhere you go, people are always going to criticize, but I think they did a pretty damn good job. Um, it's, you know, this, this was not an easy situation. Um, and they, I think, as I said, I think they did a good job. There was, you saw the guns that were inside that car. Their intention uh, was to shoot it out with the police. However, their hand was forced. It, we got a picture on the screen right now of all the firearms that they recovered inside that car. Their hand was forced by the fact that the, um, the police used that pit move 
to flip the car over, basically T-boning the car. Uh, Janice Martin, they knew she was going to die, shot herself in the head. There was a very good chance, but they still, I believe, tried to uh, save her life. Uh, Fuzzy Doxy, the police had no other way. Yes, uh, Melissa Owens, he did not shoot her. Uh, she shot herself. I don't. I think that's undoubtedly that she shot herself. Many people still want to argue that. You know, um, this is a little um, information on uh, Casey White's funeral. I'll just put it up on the screen. It's it's a pretty quick. Uh, announcement here. The funeral arrangements for Vicki White just announced she will be laid to rest this Saturday at 1 p.m. at Center Hill Cemetery. Her body was brought back to North Alabama this morning. Officials say Vicki White shot and killed herself after that police pursuit in Evansville, Indiana. That ended the 11-day manhunt for her and a murder suspect. Well, the funeral arrangements for Vicki White... So there you have it, folks. It's uh, this Saturday. Everything with this case has moved so quickly, really just so, so quickly, 11-day uh, manhunt, 11 days on the run. Uh, it, this is the third car they had. It's on the screen, this Cadillac, a 2006 sedan, I believe. And you could see that it got um, T-boned by the uh, federal marshals and that it flipped over inside a ravine, which, of course, prevented um, the shootout, which uh, uh, apparently... Um, saved a lot of lives because they intended to shoot it out with the police. At least that's what uh, what they had said. Rat 507, the lady is a tramp in the United States. The name White is the 14th most popular surname with an estimated 690,873 people with that name, people per 100,000 population, 223.91, a surname White. There's a little bit of, a, uh, of some trivia right there. Uh, I don't know if... Uh, we all needed to know what, you know, it's some trivia. Uh, Benny Smith, I guess people feel that he may have shot her because of his past with older women. And the fact that she wanted to get out of the uh, truck and make a run for it back to the motel, all that was sort of uh, delusional. Mary Williamson, um, so sad, what a great, uh, then pissed all away on that POS. You just never know what lane someone will go through when they are depressed. Yeah, I mean, look, this whole situation is is a tragic one. And uh, we've spoken about that at great length. Like, why did she do what she did? Why did she risk a whole life to be with this guy who was nothing but a career criminal loser? You know, why did she do that? Um, we're going to take a quick break. Folks, you need a great attorney in the New York metropolitan area. Joe Murray is your man. Joe Murray is a retired NYPD police officer who is now one of the best defense attorneys, criminal defense attorneys in the New York area. You can reach him on his cell at 718-514-3855. You can email him at joe at jmurray-law.com. He has a website, jmurray-law.com. Joe Murray, we highly, highly recommend Joe Murray. And uh, many people that have found Joe Murray through this um, advertisement were not, uh, were, excuse me, were extremely satisfied with him. Uh, John Beatty Law, www.jbeattylaw.com. John Beatty is a renowned personal injury attorney. He also retired as a decorated NYPD sergeant. John comes from a proud NYPD and FDNY family. 
He was an active sergeant in Brooklyn North and supervised in the legal bureau. John is a proud member of the Honor Legion and the Blue Knights. John Beatty litigates across the country for seriously injured victims and has helped recover over $200 million for grieving families. Call John now for a free consultation. John Beatty, 917-797-9520. So folks, I think there was some really good um, coverage on this case over the past few days. Uh, Duty Ron uh, um, had a really great episode last night with Barbara Butcher, the former chief of staff of the New York City Office of the Chief Medical Examiner. They went over the autopsy. Um, and they sort of, I think, convinced everyone um, that this was no accident. She was not shot by Casey. That, in fact, was a self-inflicted gunshot wound. And they spoke about what the pathologist would be looking for in, in regards to evidence. Um, and I, th I thought it was uh, well, uh, well presented. And the science of death is fascinating. And Barbara Butcher spoke in great detail about that. Sarah Wood, how are you? Good to see you, Sarah Wood. Um, now you guys are giving me more statistics. Only 1% of the population are six foot nine inches or taller. Now we're getting into all kinds of trivia. Um, Fonda Milanesis, I'm sure a lot of her coworkers and sheriff will be at the funeral. I have no doubt. I think this lady was um, very much loved, even though she made a huge mistake. There was a lot of people that that did love her. And um, I think a lot of people will, in fact, be at the funeral because um, they, ca they cared about her. You know, they really did care about her. Uh, here's a little uh, amalgamation of, of a timeline on this. And I thought this was pretty interesting. And um, I'm going to play it because um, many folks don't... Um, Milwaukee civilian... Thank you for the $5 super sticker. Much appreciate you. Allison Lulu, I heard someone say no one knew the ditch was there and it was luck for the police. Hey, they'll take it. They'll take the luck. You know, so much of life is luck. And I think they'll, with the skill, comes a little bit of luck. And we all will take luck every once in a while, you know. Russian Aloha, good to see you. I like that name, Russian Aloha. Excellent name. Hello, Alicia B. Uh, Michelle Battersby, whether or not she made a really bad decision, people, family, friends, coworkers, all going to have mixed feelings. My heart goes out to all of you for sure. I mean, no one's cheering that she lost her life or took her own life. No one is, uh, Laverta Scott, her death wish, boring life, boring town, boring future breaks out. Her boyfriend plays Bonnie and Clyde excitement. Bad girl gets famous, and she imagined going out in a blaze of glory. I don't know if that's true or not, Laverta Scott, but uh, potentially it could be. You know, it could be. Um, all we know is that she did take her own life, and that for that, um, the people that love her are going to have to suffer. I'm going to play this uh, a quick um, video of the, the the timeline in regards to this case, case which is pretty fascinating. Uh, let's get it up on the screen, and then we'll play it.
What you're seeing on the screen is sort of recapturing what occurred during these 11 days on the run. Uh, James Stinson, that uh, manager from the car wash, great guy. Brian Enton, of course, always does a great job reporting these cases. He's all over the place. Here's that fam famous picture of him inside the car wash. And uh, I think that led to, to a lot of identifications, a lot of great intel for the police and the federal marshals. Of course, the chase that ensued after Casey and Vicky White took off in that car. There he is being thrown on the hood of a car. You see the massive size of this guy. So that gave you a sort of a timeline of what occurred here. And, uh, you know, folks, a lot of the things that uh, people, of course, questioning right now is where's all her money? Everyone's so concerned with where's the rest of her money? Allegedly, there was $29,000 left in the car that the police recovered. Um, and apparently when the, this whole thing started, she had $90,000. So where all the money went, uh, what they spent it on, we don't know that. And uh, if people ask, where will the money go? Well, I think the money, if they do recover it all, it will be left to her heirs. Her heirs will inherit it, and uh, police hopefully will return it uh, to the family, if, if in fact they do recover it. But we, we don't know... Um, what and how much they've recovered. Don't forget, she also um, applied for um, retirement, and that was prior to her committing a felony. I don't know how that works in that state. Will her family still get her retirement money? All those things people in the chat always worry about, things that uh, are not that important to us, but they worry about it. Folks, I'm going to be staying with this case as new things come up. I think for the most part, it's um, somewhat sewn up. Uh, we somewhat have closure here. Casey White is back in prison, and uh, Vicky took her own life. I mean, there's little bits of uh, investigation that we would love to know the answer to and love to have closure and love to find out, you know, what the hell happened with this, what happened with that, what did they do with this, how did they get the car, what did they do with that? Um Marie B., she owed $70,000 on her house after selling it, so she had $20,000-plus savings. Uh, I don't know all about the money. I don't, Nothing with the money has totally been confirmed. Iris Hewlett, 
They allegedly bought three cars with all cash. Yeah, so what did they pay for the cars? We don't know that. Uh, you know, buying food, the hotel. I mean, I can't imagine Hotel 41 costs too much for, especially if you book 14 days in advance. Got to be, I guarantee that hotel must be in like the 50 or $60 a night range. Uh, I can't imagine it being more than that. I could be wrong, but I, I don't think it is. Um, so, folks, um, I hope you enjoyed today's show. I gave you a little bit of an update after that long sort of marathon show yesterday. And uh, as I said, if any new information comes up, uh, I'll be all over it. So, again, from I'm Bill Cannon from Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day and be safe. One episode, just ain't enough.